0: On this week's episode, we do slappers with head coach Sarah McClarity on the We Do podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome back. To the We Do Podcast. The We Do Podcast is brought to you by Gray Tech. Let's see what we can do together. Gray Tech is available anywhere you download your apps or visit us at graytech.com. I am your host, Billy Price, and we've got a special treat for you guys today. I had a chance to sit down with Sarah McLarity, the head coach of the Slappers Triathlon Club. Slappers meaning swim like a pro. She has a family history in the sport of triathlon and is one of the coolest adventure racers I know. So enjoy the interview with Sarah McClarity here at the We Do Podcast. Hi everybody, we are here with Sarah McClarity. Thank you for joining me today, Sarah. How you doing?
1: Thank you. I'm great, Billy. Thanks for having me today. Yeah.
0: So, um, for those of us that I mean, we everybody knows Sarah from uh, Claremont, but some of us may not know. Like, what was your childhood like? So, were you real athletic growing up?
1: Yeah, triathlon has been in my family since like 1989. Uh, when I was six, my mom did uh, her first one in Deland. I mean, I think it was swim, run, bike. Okay, they had to get them. They had to get them out of the park, um, off the dirt road. So they made a run. Yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, in 1990, um, small world, I actually, uh, my parents found a kid's race, no joke here in Claremont.
0: Nice. I mean,
1: waterfront park didn't really exist like it does
0: now, Uh but, um, here I am, we have video. I'm a seven year old. Um, I'm, I'm right there on what is now waterfront park. Yeah. My first triathlon
1: and, and it just, it never ended. Uh, we loved it. It became part of our family, our part of our identity.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's, <laughs> I mean, it's literally all I think about. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's definitely part of me.
0: Yeah. So that's how you found triathlon. So um, I know that that first event must have been something at seven. How did you do it? Did you place?
1: I, I mean, I made it to the finish line. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: um, I, no idea. Um, uh, it's fun because I've been through COVID, I've been reviewing all of our family's uh, VHS tapes. We had them transferred to digital, uh-huh. so now I'm able to have them all here on the computer and, and watch them. And I get to hear
0: my dad's voice because awesome. he was always
1: the one with the video camera. Uh-huh. Um, so there's video of it. I'm on this Walmart one speed. It's got streamers <laughs> off the handlebars. Um, I'm running in like what looks like Keds. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, I made it to the finish line.
0: Yeah. So, so it's always been a part of your life then, hasn't it?
1: Absolutely. We had to, a couple years later, my younger brother is three and a half years younger than me. So not long after that, um, I mean, we're talking in the nineties, so you're yeah. still filling out paper registration forms mm-hmm. and like mailing them in. So they lied and said he was six when he was still five
0: and he did his first triathlon. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, so growing up, you did triathlon. Now, how did you get into swimming as far as going to school to swim?
1: Right. So that also swimming goes further back in um, our family line. My mom was a swimmer. My grandmother was a swimmer. Um, She should have been on one of the boycotted Olympic teams. Wow. Um, Her, my great grandmother was a swimmer. My great aunt is one of the seven or eight founding members of U S master swimming. So that,
0: Whole swimming
1: thing is on that side of the family. So we've been doing that since we were babies. Um, And, uh, you know, just as you become a a high schooler, your parents start going, and how are you going to pay for college? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: So while I was a triathlete, obviously there was still um, a strong focus on swimming. Um, I swam over in Daytona Beach um, under Steve Lochte and the Daytona Beach Speed Swim Team. And fortunately, I, I managed to, you know, catch the eye of Coach Greg Troy up at the University of Florida um, and and uh, swam there for four years. So it, it paid off.
0: Yeah. Now, did you have a favorite stroke when you were there? <laughs> I was an I-ammer. Okay.
1: So, yeah, uh, I did them all. Um, I was a distance swimmer. And my joke is the the more it hurts, the mm-hmm. more it sucks, the better I am at it. <laughs> You know, it just led to a whole endurance lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm coming as a teenager. I'm coming from doing two and a half hour triathlon. So what's a yeah. what's a, a five minute? You know, five hundred freestyle? Yeah. The
0: my, that's yeah. the way my son swims too. Now um, he's a, um, he swims for Seminole Aquatics, and he loves to swim long distance. He he's like, I don't want to do those hundreds. I, I like the five hundreds. Right. Yeah. That's
1: good. Hey, I always say you get more bang for your buck.
0: Yeah, you get. Getting... <laughs> <laughs> I'm in
1: the water longer than you are.
0: <laughs> and that, that's what I tell some of the folks I coach: is you know, when you're on the course longer, you're get, you're paid for the course. You're getting your money's worth. <laughs> exactly. Everybody paid the same registration fee. <laughs> so, so true. you finished your career at UF? Or were you were you doing triathlon during that swim time?
1: A little bit. Um, definitely my freshman and sophomore year, I would come home in the summer and, you know, do the sport. I really loved and take a break from the whole staring at the bottom (laughs) of the pool thing. Um, and then, uh, I, I told my coach, I committed, uh, my junior and senior year, which would have been 1999. No, wrong. 2003 and 2004, I committed to him to try and make the Olympic team. So I sort of stepped back from triathlon um, that was my, you know, <laughs> everyone jokes with my family, my mom, because my brother and I both were on four, we were four years apart and we finished college in an Olympic year. Okay. Was, everyone was like, did you plan this? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so that after my senior year swimming Olympic trials, um, for the 2004 Olympic games, um, I ended up coming in fourth in the 400 freestyle. Um, but they only take the top two to the Ah. other So close, (laughs) uh, admirable. I had a great swim, a best time and and everything. So close.
0: That is awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So when did you decide to make the jump to go professional?
1: You know, it had always been there. Like here, we're in central Florida. I mean, in the, early late 90s early 2000s you're watching hunter kemper you know mm-hmm. and, and here's a guy and at the time uh he would he was spot there was a whole group of triathletes that would race in this um ralph lauren x
0: Oh,
1: sponsoring <laughs> they had these you know kits and everything that they wore and i'm just like wide-eyed going <laughs>
0: what
1: you're telling me somebody will pay you and you can make this into a living you know tell that to a teenager awesome um <laughs> uh, so yeah. So through my university days, I always knew that, you know, that I was going back to the sport of triathlon. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much Billy the day after getting fourth or a couple days after getting fourth at the Olympic trials, yeah. I called up USA triathlon and said, I'm, I'm ready to come back. Yeah. Cause I had <laughs> been on their youth teams and their junior teams. Um, and the, uh, the high performance director at the time knew that I was, you know, taking a break to commit to swimming and, So I called her up and I said, I'm ready ready to come back. And she was like, okay, we have a room for you at the Colorado Springs Olympic Training Center. We've got a spot for you on the under 23 national team. You can, you know, we'll put you on the national team. Here's a stipend. We'll help you travel the world and everything. So it was pretty much um, instantaneous for me. Um, And uh, as every professional triathlete knows or experiences, or Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, you don't just say, I'm going to be a professional triathlete, and suddenly the money just starts flying in on little wings, Harry Potter style. Like, no. Yeah. It, is, it does not happen that way. Um, it is very hard. It is, you know, you're really scrounging around, um, especially as a beginner, uh, to just, you know, sort of make pennies and dollars here and there any way you can. Um, but yeah, I did it for, oh, what did I do? 11 years. And got real lucky, got real lucky with, um, you know, racing and results and, and, um, places I got to travel. So it was, it was hard at the beginning, but definitely paid off in the end.
0: Now to go back to your, when you swam in Daytona, you, you mentioned Lochte is, is that his dad?
1: That is. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was 12 and Ryan's about two years younger than me, so Mm -hmm. he was about 10. Um, the coach of our team retired um, and our team, you know, we were a pretty big team. So we put out feelers. I'm sure, you know, I was just a, a kid, you know, and, and they hired a coach out of Rochester, New York.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and Steve Lochte came down with his entire family. Um, Ryan has uh, three siblings and, and everything. So he came down with a huge family um, at that time. There was just this 10 year old little, Annoying little twerp in the pool next <laughs> to me <laughs> that I had to deal with. But um over time, you know, as we progressed and, and got older in our teen years, we were definitely, you know, high-end training partners, mm-hmm. um and and pushed each other in practice and and everything. So Steve Coach Lochte was quality over quantity, yeah, which was very rare at the time. Um, you know. when when you're a kid swimmer like your son Mm -hmm. you you sort of meet the other kids on the other teams around you and you hear what you know they're doing and and you hear all the stories and everything and we would hear you know just these stories of you know coaches throwing kickboards on the pool deck and they'd be in the water for three hours and and everything and you know we would just look at our teammates and we would go Don't you remember last Friday we had Fun Friday played water polo when my mom brought all of her water polo equipment? (laughs) So Steve's thing, Steve's mentality to swimming was, and this is a tough one, and and I've really, as a coach, I have have adapted a little of this. His realization was the swimmers that he's working with in their teen years and down Mm – their perform. He is not going to take the credit for their phenomenal performances. If you have a sixteen-year-old that is out breaking like records, they're done by eighteen. They yeah. are burnt out. Their bodies destroyed. They're mentally destroyed, etc. So Steve's biggest thing as a coach was he was selfless. He didn't need the um, the accolades yeah. for himself. He was like, I'm going to put you in a position where you're going to actually excel. Ryan is two years younger than me, he's 35 right now. And he's looking for, you know, another Olympics. So there's long-term. Um, and, and myself came out of college and still went another 11 years as a professional. So mm-hmm. um, I'm very grateful for that. And later in my life, when I realized this, of how giving he was, here I am working with youth triathletes. And I'm like, hey, we're just gonna get the, the little things right. So that when you're 20 and you're who knows where, yeah. You're going to excel, but mm-hmm. I don't need you to perform amazing at 13. Um, but you're going to learn how to do things right. You're going to learn how to love the sport, um, have fun with it, and uh, and and hopefully it's a long-term commitment.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah, so you were able to adapt some of that um, into coaching. So when when did you decide that it was time to start coaching and put the 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 shoes on the the mantle, so to speak?
1: Yeah. Um, when I moved to Claremont in, oh, when I moved here, 2008, mm-hmm. I was still, I was still competing. Yeah. So I, I started in 2005. I did four years out in the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs, um, trying to make the next Olympics, the, the 2008 Olympics in triathlon.
0: Oh, as triathlete. Cool.
1: As a triathlete. Yeah. yeah. Um, everything was on board through 2007 and then I ended up having, a foot injury or a foot pain, yeah. whatever. Um, so I really, uh, I lost the ability to be competitive in time for the 2008 Olympics, and I moved home for a bit um, because I couldn't run. Yeah, like Billy, I couldn't. Not only could I not run, by the end of the day, I couldn't walk. I oh, was so man. much. Pain. Yeah. So you know, I'm thinking in my head, is this the end of my career? It's been 16 months.
0: Wow. I've seen
1: nine doctors nobody's giving me answers, you know, nobody's giving me solutions. Yeah. Um, so living in the Olympic training center where you're around people that are getting ready for the Beijing Olympics. Yeah. Oh. That is not a positive place to no. be when you're over here. Absolutely <laughs> suffering. So I came home mm-hmm. and, um, and I, and my mom, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can imagine in my head one night, uh, after living at home for maybe three or four months, I'm now what? 25. <laughs> My parents must have gone. Yeah, I think she's getting a little too comfortable. <laughs> we need to do something. <laughs> so, Billy, I kid you not. Mm-hmm. My one morning, my mom goes, "Sarah, let's go house shopping." Oh. <laughs> Se- seven days later, Billy, I am in a thing, signing a stack of paperwork, owning a house. Oh what my! Just <laughs> like whirlwind, yeah, an absolute whirlwind. I bought this beautiful house uh-huh. that I'm sitting in. Um, I'm 200 meters away from waterfront park in Claremont where the funny Mm -hmm. story is I did my first triathlon, you know, years ago. So come full circle. Um, and I start training with the kids swim team here in Claremont coached by a former professional triathlete, Alec Rukasoyev. At the time it was fast lane aquatics. He's a professional triathlete. I came in, I said, Hey, can I jump in with your kids? I'm fat. I'm out of shape. I'm miserable. He's like, yeah, your attitude will be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I start training with them. Small world. Alec, one day I told him my story. You know, I was having a foot problem. He goes, the kid in the lane next to you, his dad is standing next to me on the deck. He's a foot doctor. Climb out of the pool. Tell him what what's wrong. Billy, I climbed out of the pool uh-huh. in three minutes. I, I told him the story because by that time I really narrowed it down. You, you got it good now, right? <laughs> I was like, I've got my skill. <laughs> Talk to him. And he goes, and he, he grabs Alex coaching notebook. He flips to an empty page. He draws a picture of his foot and he goes, this is what's wrong with you. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, nine doctors have not said that to me. Wow. So Dr. Funk, Orlando orthopedic mm-hmm. goes, come in, schedule an official appointment with me in the office. I went in and five days later I was on the operating table. Four weeks later, I ran for the first time in 16 months pain-free.
0: Holy cow. And my
1: career continued. So then yeah. I was able to, you know, be in Claremont and use this as a training location. Cause we all know that's the only reason we're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and the professional, and I'm I'm getting to answering your question, the professional athlete, I have to tell you, is bored. Like you're yeah. bored for so many hours of the day. Like there's only so many hours that you can train yourself, think about yourself, take care of yourself, feed yourself, and you have to find something else to do. So I picked up coaching the master swim team at the NTC right okay. there where I was training and, mm-hmm. and where I'd moved to. And that was sort of like, all right, you know, I'm stepping into a role that gives me something else to do. And um, and then it was sort of like coaching was down here and being a professional triathlete was up here. And then over the next like seven years, they just sort of met and Uh passed each other okay, where my passion was, you know, my my passion for being an athlete, just sort of like, all right, you know, I'm doing this because I'm doing it. And it just dropped down. And then I just started loving, loving, loving Mm. coaching. And it was like, which one am I actually waking up for in the morning? Which one am I thinking about to do? And, and it, you know, and, and coaching took over and, um, so I retired and, uh, really dove headfirst into the business.
0: You know, um, when I had Dave Scott on, he coached throughout his entire professional career and right. then he just continued it on. And it sounds very right. similar story as far as you were. He said that he got the knuckleheads, um, swim <laughs> team, you know, they're like, give him to Dave, let him take him. And right. So, so I bet you, right. you guys, it sounds very similar story. Exactly. When you were professional, do you have a favorite memory of, uh, racing? all of it, I yeah. know,
1: I've been asked that question so many times, but how, I mean, how can you pick between, you know, all the places I've traveled, South Africa, United Arab Emirates, Japan, China, you know, all over Europe, South America, um, and et cetera, um, so all of it together, the, the places I've been, mm-hmm. and the, the just cool things that I've seen, and everything, I always, I say I've competed on All the continents except Antarctica, and as soon as they put a triathlon on Antarctica, (laughs) I'll sign up.
0: (laughs) Well, they they may have an adventure race there, right? We'll get to that part later. (laughs) (laughs) They'll put an adventure race anywhere.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so no, no favorites. Just the whole, the whole lifestyle. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's awesome. So, I and Dave and I talked about this too. Is how is coaching similar to actually racing? As far as like, do you take it from the same? aspect as far as like getting that excited, getting that adrenaline, especially like when somebody who crosses the finish line that didn't think they could or had a great day, that kind of stuff. Do you live right. vicariously through them?
1: Absolutely. I mean, Billy, you know this, it's more exhausting to cheer at an Ironman yes. than to do an Ironman. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking three weeks from now, that's me because we're going up to Panama City Beach, okay. Ironman Florida. Um, And I'm like, all right, I feel like I should train for this somehow. Like just go go cheer randomly for a couple hours. Start
0: hydrating Um, now. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Live vicariously. Uh, You know, I've done it all. I've seen it all. Um, (laughs) Try to convince people not to make the same mistakes that I made. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. You know, like, like you said, Dave said, he, he got the knuckleheads, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I get, all of us coaches, we get people that see an Ironman, want to do it, and we have to sort of talk them through, okay, you all right, here's what not to do, yeah. <laughs> here's the long list of what not to do, um, but then, of course, being absolutely thrilled um, at the finish line and, and everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, now, um, so you your specialty is swim. Do you have any... Tips or uh, words of advice for anybody who's getting into triathlon and is scared to death of the water?
1: Yeah, that's the. It is. It's the scary part. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we've talked about, you know, my lifetime of being in water, um, it it makes me. I don't know. If sad is the word. It just makes me feel so passionate about helping other adults mm-hmm. feel the same way about water that I do. Yeah. like water is a happy place. It is somewhere where I can just lay there and <sighs> float. It's quiet. The stress goes away because you're just in this own little world. Um, you know, your body feels so good because it's not pounding on the pavement running. And, mm-hmm. and there's so many things that make me love the water because I've been in it since day one. And, and I, through this job, I've been coaching for 12 plus years now that I've lived in Claremont. I realized that not everybody has that same mentality towards water. <laughs> and it's incredible. Um, so again, practice makes perfect. No, the first time I coached someone, I had no idea what to say to them. I had go, the water's fine. Just yeah. go do it, you know, and <laughs> over time, you know, developing the compassion and, and hearing people's stories and figuring out the right things to say, um, the right steps to take. So first times, you know, for triathlon, for adults, get comfortable in the pool first, um you know, whether it's on your own with a friend or with a swim coach, um, and then make your way to the open water. Um, and, and of course, Billy, our biggest piece of advice is don't make your first open water experience a triathlon.
0: Yes, definitely. (laughs) Get out
1: there beforehand, multiple times. Um, and that's the tough one for me to sort of, you know, I want to just bang people, you know, bang people's head against the wall. Like we're in central Florida here,
0: There's a lake everywhere.
1: (laughs) There is a lake everywhere with swimming, you know, beaches and docks and and everything. So, I mean, you really don't have to try very hard to find an opportunity. You you know, Lucky's Lake here at Waterfront Swimming, Dinky Dock over on in Winter Park area, they're now Mm -hmm. swimming on a regular basis. So, you know, you're just not trying hard if you're not looking for an opportunity to practice in the open water.
0: I grew up um, on the water too. My parents had a boat, so right. I'm with you know when people come to me and I'm like, really, water's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. It's not a big deal. So, right. so you started coaching, and when did the slappers become the slappers? Then,
1: right. Um, so I was the master swim coach at the NTC, uh, 2008 to I want to say maybe like 13, 2013 or something. Somewhere in there, um, I, di- I did private coaching mm-hmm. lessons for them, working for the NTC part-time while being an athlete. Um, and somewhere in there, they changed. They did a whole rebranding marketing thing. And they came to us and said, uh, we're not going to pay you the same as oh, we were paying you. okay. and, I, <laughs> and, I, and and, you know, for the whole employees, you know, that was a, uh, an eye opener. But I was the one that was just there doing it because I felt like it. Yeah. Um, they needed something to do with my time. So I, you know, sort of went and I quit, you know, yeah. just as a just as a, you know, thing for the, my friends and my coworkers who couldn't really just do that in yeah. a day's hesitation. <laughs> um, so then my best friend who also worked there, Misty Becerra. She and I sort of eventually both stepped away from the training center and started coaching. We reached out to other pools in the central Florida area. Um, We got our master's program going at multiple facilities with a obviously with a triathlon focus, because, I mean, if you count all the swimmers, especially over here in Lake County, they're probably a triathlete rather than just a swimmer.
0: Yeah. Um, the, the master's program over here in Stanford. rarely do you see them trying to get them to do anything other than freestyle. I no,
1: know, I know. Um, and it's, it's incredible to me cause I'm, you know, I'm reading over in the Sarasota area, you know, like the Sarasota sharks have like 300 people on their team and I'm like, yeah. you actually have swimmers. Yeah. Where are the swimmers? <laughs> Everybody here wants to do triathlon, which is great, which is fine. Um, I do make them dive off the blocks every once in a while. Good. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, so we, we started our own coaching business. Um, swim like a pro came out of that. Okay. Uh, and slappers is an acronym slap swim mm-hmm. like a pro and, uh, you know, everyone needs a little hashtag. Yeah. These
0: days. <laughs> you gotta have the hashtag. <laughs>
1: so, and, and it's continued to involve, evolve. evolve. Um, two years ago, we partnered up with um, Winter Garden Wheelworks Bike Shop right. so that I could stop spending a ridiculous amount of hours ordering clothing yeah. and team gear for people. <laughs> I was like, this is not my job. Yep. This is not <laughs> what I do. So, uh, you know, part that's isn't that the thing? You're supposed to partner up with someone who knows what they're doing. Um,
0: mm-hmm. I've, I've been there. there. I, I know yeah. the feeling. Exactly. It's all the time. And then it's... What do you mean you're spending all this time? Look at the time. I'm, I'm here all the time taking care of you guys. So I know what you mean. Yeah. Now, now yeah. Um, you know, with COVID-19, how has that changed the way the club operates for you guys?
1: Not much really changed. Obviously, just the whole in-person interaction. We, you know, typically all 2019 and early 2020, our team would do a monthly social. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of it. Um, back in June, we were able to resume swim practice at the NTC pool. So that got people back into group training. Um, During the lockdown, people were grouping up on their own and and doing safe training. Um, uh, But I mean, uh, it changed in my perspective as a coach, because I kept trying to get excited for things (laughs) and get my athletes excited for things. And then it would get canceled and we would have another letdown. So I sort of started to just go, this is not healthy, Sarah. You need to, you know, so I sort of stopped being that behind the scenes motivator for people because I needed them to just sort of not get disappointed again. Mm hmm. Um, which is a tough one right now. I'm still sitting here going, Okay, like Iron Man Florida is going to happen. Okay, yeah. here we go. Um, we are a hundred percent acting like it is. Um, there should be six or seven slappers doing the full. Um, and uh but yeah, just from a coaching atmosphere a couple months in, I was like, Whoa, I really need to tone it down. Yeah. And and um, stop pushing um, for the highs and the lows and everything.
0: It's it's hard to keep the athletes um, interested in training because they still are expected to train at that high level and, you know, knowing that there's nothing to train for currently. But now since we're ramping back up again, that's, that's right. kind of cool. I, I had a handful. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I had a handful of athletes definitely experience, oh, you know, some sort of just – like not major adrenal fatigue, but just, you know, sort of a stepping back from it because you're typically in a regular season. The races provide you as a coach and the athlete with the normal highs and lows in training Mm -hmm. as a coach, we would taper down for a race. You would rest a little bit afterwards as well. And we would ramp up again. And without that, um, we were still doing periodized training, but I feel like we really missed some of those big lows where yeah. people like maybe took a whole week off mm-hmm. in the middle of the summer. And I'm definitely seeing that pay off. Well, sorry, that sort of be a bad thing now because some people are like, when the races are actually here, they're like, uh,
0: I really don't uh, want to do anything else <laughs> anymore. So, Did you have everybody focus on maybe some, um, we won't call them weaknesses, but opportunities that they had. <laughs>
1: Of course. Of course. Yeah. We did, um, mini, uh, mock triathlons on your own here in, I think that was the month of, I want to say May. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did fundraisers. People bought raffle tickets and, and we did fundraisers and we donated money to a bunch of things. So people were out doing their own, um, virtual races. Uh, you know, we had, people have the ability to walk up to waterfront park at any time yeah. and swim in it. So, uh, that was sort of closed during COVID. Um, but yeah, you know, we we just found small things each month that people focused on, and uh, they got through it.
0: Very cool. So if if I wanted to join the Slappers, how do I go about getting on the team?
1: Team is easy. You sign one waiver, and you're a part of the team. Awesome. Um, yeah it's it's a free it's a free team. Um, and then the coaching is uh, an additional thing gotcha. uh, on top of that. So yeah.
0: So um, leading into 2021, where do you see the slappers going as far as what, what's your aspirations for it?
1: Um, hopefully just to sort of resume back to where we were. Um, I don't want to have again, I don't want to have big goals right now because who knows what's going to happen. You know, we could have a resurgence and everything gets canceled again. So for right now, um, and I was just thinking about this actually the other day with 2021 on the horizon. Um, if I wanted, you know, some teams pick races that they try and encourage everyone to go to, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm a little hesitant to do that. Is that race going to happen? You know, um, so we'll just sort of stay, um, on the down low for another year, um, see what happens in, in 2021 and then, uh, pick something big. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a handful of athletes that, um, want to try and qualify for team USA, um, awesome. out of, you know, our, nat- our Olympic distance, you know, national championship. Yeah. So,
0: um, you know, um, I had Sue Reynolds on the podcast yeah. and she had nothing but nice things to say about you. <laughs> She's like, she fixed my stroke in no time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Sue's amazing. What a phenomenal person. Right. And athlete and story and everything. So,
0: yeah, I yeah. I I was like, oh no, we have been talking forty-five minutes. Sue She's oh <laughs> you know, she just loves to talk about triathlon. She does. <laughs> she
1: does. And and she's made her whole her whole journey and her whole book is a give back thing. She's yeah. doing the, the club meets for free. She's doing the the Zoom meeting. She's all the proceeds of her book are going to the triathlon foundation. Mm-hmm. So you know, we could all take a, a couple pages out of your yeah.
0: book. <laughs> so, I since I got you, and I've I've been following you on Instagram. I see these adventure races. Yeah. How did you get into that? And 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 tell me the story behind those.
1: Right, right. Isn't that a lot more popular now that he's Yes. Mm-hmm. Did, did you watch it? Billy? I watched
0: it religiously. Uh, um, I was disappointed that Iron Cowboys team didn't do better than it did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, it does go to show that the the what's the tagline of Eco Challenge? We eat Iron Man mm-hmm. for breakfast.
0: Yep, they sure did. So I mean, it really
1: <laughs> does put into perspective like what a, a you know a tri oh triathletes are so amazing. No, no, they're not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Adventure racers mm-hmm. are uh, a, a leg up on that. So I was, gosh, I, I don't even know when the first year we did one. Probably like. 2009 or 2010, not long after I had moved here again, my best friend, Misty, who we met working at the training center, um, had done one with a client and she knew I was an you know, adventurous person or I was willing crazy to go person. out and, <laughs> and get in the, you know, in the mud. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so we signed up for one, our first one, Billy, middle of the summer in Florida. Oh no. Five, I know. Wait, five hours long. So it started at 2:30 in the morning and finished at 7:30 in the morning. Oh my Our first race was through the night.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> you know down in Kissimmee where that um, like Forever Florida place yep. is like you can ride the big trucks mm-hmm. and the yeah we raced through like Alligator Central of
0: Holy Central smokes.
1: It was all on that Forever Florida big property and uh-huh. everything. And we were hooked. I mean, yeah. we were absolutely hooked. And for for me, it was something to do in the winter months when I wasn't racing triathlon because I was a little better if I got hurt, which I did. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a race, you know, like an important race. Um, it was cooler and it was just fun to, to race because yeah. my whole job was racing. So I sort of, you know, wanted to, to keep racing. So Misty and I really... Um, did a bunch in Florida and everything. And then I retired. Okay. And so now we start looking up the bigger ones. Oh, yeah. Now <laughs> we start looking up the longer races, the bigger ones. We want a competitive team. So we started doing 24-hour races up in Georgia, Pennsylvania, in the mountains. And our biggest stories is we did the six-day world championships across Wyoming. Okay. That was in 2017. And in 2018, we did a four-day race around the country of Belize.
0: Okay. Just like where they they were there, right? You did some of their course?
1: Belize? No. Belize is in Central America. Okay. They were in Fiji.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: Well, so
0: didn't Mark Burnett have one in Belize at one time, though? I'm sure. Yeah. I mean,
1: anywhere it's crazy jungly
0: and mm-hmm. we were crazy jungly in belize.
1: <laughs> we heard howler monkeys through the night
0: yeah
1: uh we saw big like anaconda snakes going across the trail in front of us wow yeah it's just beautiful part of the the race in belize was a seven mile cave swim no this river flowed for seven miles underground uh-huh and we part of our course was you had to do it and it was i mean it was touristy parts of it would we'd come across people in tubes okay tubing along because it was but i mean we did the whole thing for seven miles and you're floating in this river underground in the dark with your headlamp on and so we've seen some cool things
0: Now, didn't you drag another triathlete into racing with you recently I know, yeah, Jared Shoemaker, <laughs> yeah, uh, Olympian Jared Shoemaker um, watched Eco Challenge, mm-hmm. not unlike yourself,
1: <laughs> um, and decided that he wanted to apply. So yeah. he he asked us, and and I'm just sort of on a break from being serious adventure racing right now. But he put together a team, and and they applied. Um, Eco Challenge reported that they had over 5,000 applications this wow. time. Wow, okay. So about 1% will get chosen because they'll have between 50 to 60 teams. Yeah. So you have a 1% chance of your team getting chosen. But Jared has since, he's done a race with us last uh, month in Georgia. He did yeah. a 24-hour race with us. And, and uh, just Saturday, he did hit... Uh, eight hour race over in flagler area okay um, solo so yeah solo nice he's on board he's loving it um and we've brought a lot of people into it so we take the slappers out into the woods and teach them how to orienteer and and sign them up for adventure races but
0: have you ever thought about
1: brought a lot of
0: people into the sport yeah i i watched it when it was on some obscure channel long long ago um yeah and i was like oh i was so glad they brought it back and, and yep. Bear did a really good job, too, on it. You know, I'm sure the races you have don't have some guy in a helicopter flying over top of you the whole time, all right?
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> ours have not been like Eco Challenge. Um, but yeah, back, uh, Billy, in the those late 90s, early 2000 Eco Challenges that you mm-hmm. would have seen, like on Discovery Channel yeah, or exactly. you know, wherever they were showing them, Barry Siff, our former USA Triathlon president. Okay. Barry Siff. yeah was an eco challenge racer. Awesome. Like he did it for like 10 years. He actually wrote a book on eco challenge racing. Really? <laughs> yeah.
0: so cool is it was that small world cool. there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so but I, I always wondered what's your longest swim you've ever done. I know swimming's your, your jam. I know you've yeah. done some endurance swims. What's the longest swim you've done?
1: I did. I dabbled in open water marathon, open water swimming. Yeah. Um, uh, I did a 10 K in Atlantic city. I did a 10 K in Abu Dhabi. No, Dubai. Yeah. Dubai, United Arab Emirates. And then you can see behind me, Yeah. the the listeners can't, this picture behind me is, uh, from Sumadero Canyon in Chiapas, Mexico. Okay. Where I swam 18 K in a world cup.
0: Oh my word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it you do get some breaks, right? Or do you swim no, the whole time? No, wow. no, no, you do not stop swimming. Yeah, yeah, I did 18k.
1: 3 hours 41 minutes and 28 seconds and I was the first woman uh, to finish. So Wow. It
0: was
1: pretty phenomenal. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you know, we're hitting almost 38 minutes, so I am going to end it there, but I could talk Absolutely. to you for hours, Sarah. Yeah. How can people find you, find out about the slappers? I mean, you want to give everybody your Twitter, your Instagram, anything like that to find you? Sure, yeah. You know, our, our website is
1: um, swimlikeapro.com with um, dashes in between each word. Um, and, uh, you know, you can just email us on there and, and get in touch. If, if you need any help, uh, like I said, getting comfortable in that water <laughs> mm-hmm. or, um, or you just want a really fun triathlon team, um, on the West side of Orlando, uh, that's us Yeah, and, uh, and, and reach out. Awesome. We love it.
0: And there you have the interview with Sarah McClarity. Look. I don't know about you guys, but I am not interested in swimming for 18K. That just seems absurd, but good on you, Sarah, for doing that one. Hey, I do want to thank Sarah McClarity for being on with us today, and I want to thank our audience for listening. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, join us each week as we explore more of the cool things we do. If you have comments or questions, head over to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. The handle is at WeDoPodcast, or check out our website, the we do Hey, I'll see you next time on the we do podcast where we are always talking about the cool things we do.